When you've invited someone into your business, your home, and they betray you, it sucks. There's really no other way to say it. We've both been burned. Does it affect how you do business? Does it affect how you trust people? Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, big time. The Speakeasy Podcast, honest conversations about leadership and sanity in the creative industry. I'm Karen Steffel. And I'm Jen Estel. Managing creativity and business, we probably have an opinion on that. No prohibitions. Clearly, we have cocktails. But before we dive into that heavy subject, uh, we have this really beautiful cocktail called a Paloma. That's true. It is made with Epsilon Blanco tequila, which is one of our favorites, and some grapefruit and lime and syrup and club soda, etc. You liked this one a lot, didn't you, Karen? I feel like I say this a lot. It really is one of my favorites. It's something I've never tried before. The Himalayan sea salt around the top is so pretty. and But for me, I could never have a margarita again. This is just refreshing, and it's got all the right notes with the tequila and the lime juice, but it's so much more grown up and, and delicious. Yeah, it's been a beautiful drink, and um, it's definitely a refreshing one to sip on when you're talking about a heavy topic. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And betrayal is absolutely a heavy topic, but here's the deal. When you're in business and you hire other humans, you're going to encounter it at some point. It's just the sad the sad truth. That's true. And, you know, we said it in the intro, we have both been burned by staff. We have both been surprised by people's actions. And it's it, it really throws you for a loop. It really um, changes everything about your outlook, and it brings your productivity to a halt for a moment, and there are... Massive ramifications. So, I, where does one start? How does this happen? Well, I think you know, you and I have talked a lot about that. You know, neither one of us are naive or gullible people, but I think that one of the things that we both absolutely are is we're trusting. We trust the people that we employ because we're trustworthy people. We wouldn't screw somebody over, and so the the thought that somebody would do that to us is leaves us gobsmacked, honestly. I think I think when we were talking about this episode, you said, yeah, it's difficult when somebody lies and cheats and steals, which feels very blunt, but it's also quite true. And I think it's worth having that conversation because it will probably happen to every business owner or manager at some point in time. And as employees who might be listening to the podcast, I think this might be an insightful way to say, oh, I see how those actions might affect more people than just me. So I think we sort of came up with the steps involved, right? Yeah, I always feel like, you know, at least the couple times I've been involved in what I would consider a betrayal, I I stumble upon something that doesn't add up. I'm never I don't have time to go mine and look and search. I'm not searching for anything. But you stumble upon something that makes you scratch your head. And the scary part is that's not often the actual betrayal. That's just a symptom of something. Right? Yeah. You know, I was talking to another business owner, actually, and both of us had at some point stumbled upon an off piece of communication in our office, which leads you to check another thing and check another thing, which leads you to turn over a rock and you find everything that's underneath. Right. So the first inkling you have or the first flag you might see isn't necessarily a big betrayal, but it leads you to wonder what's happening. It requires a little bit of investigation. And I think maybe you don't see the signs if it's the first time you've gone through it. But if you've been burned before, the first time something really sits wrong with an employee on behavior or different schedules or, you know, who knows. 
but it is an you know if you see that off piece of communication it's like hmm i wonder if this is something that's happening in their life and and often that will come with a hey is everything okay and you learn something so sometimes you head it off because you've reached out and done the human thing but other times it's like no 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 <laughs> and then everything's sunshine and roses and it's it it requires a little bit of investigation just to make sure that you're doing due diligence on your gut yeah, and I think that's what we're talking about because all, you know, the world of HR, everyone has angsty moments, everyone has bumps in their road, and if you do the human thing, you're understanding where your staff is, they're understanding where you are. The question is when someone doesn't tell you the truth or they're dishonest to you or they're hiding something from you, and that's where the betrayal comes from. And then when that's happening, you you have to do that investigation and figure out what's what's going on, is this something I should worry about? which, to be honest, feels super sneaky and isn't fun no. at all. But you have to, as the business owner, to protect yourself, your business, your clients, and your coworkers. Yeah, absolutely. So it does require investigation. So you, um, I think a gentle, casual reach out to that person just to investigate what's going on. You know, I've seen you late a lot or staying late a lot or... I bumped into this piece of communication, or you're just looking for those patterns, um, making sure that the work that's being delivered, that you've made promises as a, as a business owner, making sure that the work is actually getting delivered, just circling back and making sure all those loops are closed. But then once you've finished your investigation, you're kind of standing at a, a crossroads. Right. You look into what's happening. You can either find, oh, this is solvable and we can move forward, or this is not solvable. And, you know, in my, in one of my experiences here, we had someone we had to fire immediately, um, because what the investigation uncovered was lots of dishonesty, theft, et cetera, which I think I'm not the only business owner who's been there. Mm -hmm. And so then you have this, this significant list of decisions you have to make. Do I do X or do I do Y? You know, who do I talk to first? How do I handle this? And it's um, it comes at you really fast, right? It comes at you really fast. In my case, when I saw that there was some evidence that ethics weren't being used in some decision-making, I, I approached the employee and it got blown off like I was being too rigid. Like, oh, come on, everybody does that. That's just – and it's like, hmm, no, that's cheating the system. And that's not what we do. But we were at that impasse and I decided to like just give a verbal warning. Like that's not that's not happening on my dime in my walls, right? Um, it was just bad ethics and questionable theft, but it wasn't stealing from me specifically. And then I guess I'm still glad that I gave that person a second chance. And and then it turned out that that person just needed to leave. When they decided it was time to leave, I saw that I needed to make sure that it was immediate, that the two weeks just wasn't that was too much time. But that I, I was so worried about my own intellectual property, my own, you know, assets that as soon as it became obvious that that person was going to leave, I needed him to leave right away. And when you say you became worried about your own intellectual pro property and your own assets, in some ways that could sound like I was worried about myself, but not, not at all. That's you're worried about the thing that keeps your business safe and keeps your business fruitful for everyone you employ. And that's the part that always shocks me is that one employee's actions can be selfish enough that it would affect their coworkers and friends in the end. Absolutely. And that and um, if my intellectual property, if my client's intellectual property ends up in the wrong hands, 
you know, I have to make sure that my employees don't always know whether I've signed certain agreements, whether examples of work or whether finished product can be released into the wild for all in all cases to all audiences. And so if, if, if an employee decides to leave and take examples of work that he or she worked on to, to demonstrate capability in the future as a portfolio, it's, it always requires a good conversation about how will it be used, making sure that we have permission to use it as portfolio work, whether that's as you know a company on our personal website or whether it's as an employee saying, this is work I've done in, in the past. But in this case, a company got set up very quickly and they used it as examples of their work. Um, and so even after that person left, it required legal action. And that's so unfortunate. Yeah, they didn't even ask my clients whether that was okay or not. They just took it. Sweet. Yeah. And and this is the part where sort of, this is a bit of a tangent, but I'm constantly shocked that people can just take something or that they have no ethical boundary there. And it's frustrating. Well, we'll get to this a little bit later, but it really makes you question, question yourself because you've hired somebody who you think is trustworthy, who you think has the team's best interest at heart, who you think has the client's best interest at heart. And when you find out that's not the case, it it can be shocking, to say the least. In fairness, we don't have the benefit of hindsight when we're standing in the moment. And don't you think in all the cases where we've been burned, and we've shared this, that in hindsight, there are plenty of other things that you can then put together and go like, huh, that was an off comment when they made that comment about something in their family that just didn't sound right, or that they would have stolen from their own brother. <laughs> you know, like there are things that come out that you're like, oh, all these things kind of added up. Sure. And, and made me realize that I wasn't paying attention to the picture that was being drawn. Yeah, and that's very interesting because you, you think of the picture as it relates to your work environment. And so somebody talks about something in their personal life and you think, well, that's not, you know, your, your first instinct, especially if you're busy or you are otherwise distracted, is that that doesn't relate to the work environment. However, people don't greatly change their personality inside and outside of the office. Okay. So if they're going to be unscrupulous in their personal life, they, they very potentially will be in your office as well, no matter what outlines or ethics you have in place in your in your day-to-day life. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, gosh, if, you, if you're if you unscrupulous in your personal life and have loose lips to brag about it at work, it's like, hmm. wow. Wow. You're really a bad person. <laughs> that is true. You know, a few years back, we had to let someone go. And the reason we made the decision was she was a little hard to direct. And both of her managers had experienced similar struggles. And we realized it just wasn't the right fit. And it was not an easy firing. It never is. No one likes to do that. But afterward, in the cleanup that everyone does after an employee leaves, we found that she had been stealing stock photography, doing freelance work on our dime and during her eight to five hours. And I mean, so it was interesting, like you said before, our trigger for firing her, for letting her go, wasn't theft and dishonesty. It was a lack of creative fit, but then we realized there was this pile of theft and dishonesty. Mm -hmm. And, of course, in hindsight, you look back and say, oh, and that time that she said such and such, and that one story over there, and it does paint a picture. And I guess on the bright side, 
you become smarter. Well, so all of this, all, you know, all of the things that we're talking about kind of fall in the category of lying, cheating and stealing. Right? <laughs> so, but you bring up a good point when you say, you know, you, there's always this cleanup that you have to do after the person leaves. So like in all of these cases, most of the time we've, we've said, you know, you're standing at this crossroads and you dismissed somebody. So then there are these unintended consequences. I mean, we never intend any of these things to happen, but then you're standing there and you're left with this giant elephant in the room and your staff is looking for direction, looking for answers, what do you do? What do you say? Right. And it, it's it's tricky because the standard so-and-so is no longer fit, will not be here. You know, there's there are lots of words that we all have used and have heard in professional environments that translate to, yeah, he got fired. Um, but we don't say those things out of politeness. But your staff does deserve to understand why the person who they've sat next to for a year or two is suddenly gone, what that means, and not saying something to staff leaves them very unsure, right? But giving them the whole sordid story doesn't feel good either. I think that's a that's a struggle and it's a very individual answer. Yeah, I think it's an individual answer, but I'm always going to err on the side of, of transparency. It may not be that they get the full sordid tale, all of the details, or the juicy gossip version, right? But it's about this person stole from us. They represented themselves as X and were being Y out there in the community. So whatever the truth is, that's just the direct hard facts. And then I think it requires follow-up to share how that makes you feel. It's not tolerated. It's unfair. It's unethical. It puts our client relationships at risk so that there's there's a... there's a direct communication so that the whole team understands not just that it's bad and wrong. Everybody knows that lying, cheating, and stealing is bad, but it's like, what's the consequences? And you know what? I'm going to spend the next two weeks working on this problem rather than on moving forward with the business. And so I think when you're not, not a business owner, no matter how connected and, and, and invested in a company you are, you might not always think of all of the steps Right. that a business owner has to take. And I think erring on the side of transparency without adding drama to it is the way I tend to go. Yeah, we tend to explain what we can and then open it for questions. And I say, you can ask me any question you have about this situation. Um, I will answer to the best of my ability and within the safe legal space. Mm-hmm. Because we have unfortunately been in the situation where someone leaves and we're calling a lawyer, which is something that you don't think of either right off the bat. But we do allow our employees to ask the questions they need to ask to feel like they have a resolution. And so I leave that as a little bit of an employee-led conversation, which is sort of um, how they teach you to teach your kids about something complicated. Let the kids ask questions. When they're done asking questions, they've gotten what they need. I never made that connection until now, but leaving it in their hands to ask what does this mean about this project or who are we going to hire or when and how and why lets them fill all their needs, which I think is important. I think when you're in small business and you have fewer than 10 employees, you can't just, you know, send out a memo that somebody's not going to return on Monday. No. It just doesn't work. And it it actually probably puts you in a position of being... um, having people feel very insecure and for you probably looking um, like you're hiding something as well, which is not the position that we want to be in or isn't even accurate. No. And, you know, you're not sending a memo from the hill on high or whatever, because when you're in a small business, you're all a team. And 
we're all in this together. There's clearly now going to be a gap. We have to work together to figure out that gap and solve it. And that's not just my job. And it will absolutely affect my coworker. Mm-hmm. So treating it as a conversation and a team task to solve probably is a little healthier. Well, and, and everybody, you know, there's un- unattended consequences for everyone, just like the business owner has a lot of things to do. Uh, to communicate with clients, to communicate with potential partners or, you know, vendor partners out there, um, and and certainly to figure out, you know, what's next in replacing that person. Um, But sometimes your staff then has to take on extra projects and do a little extra homework or legwork to repair something inside of a project. So, um, no, I agree with you. There's a lot of business things that have to happen too. Um, You have to figure out once, you know, after you do your investigation, that helps you decide whether or not to terminate there's still more investigation that happens because after somebody's gone, you end up sometimes finding more. You know, we've we've talked about finding things under rocks. So whether that's actual things inside of drawers or communication that then comes back from clients, you tend to just find more. And then there's business decisions that need to be made, right? Sure. There's, I mean, there are, there are so many actions you have to take when you fi- find that you have to let someone go from... IT solutions and locking things down to having conversations with all of your clients about someone that you were used to is no longer here and reassuring clients that the service will remain the same or better. Then there's the awkward situations where you realize that maybe service wasn't as good as you had hoped or that the product wasn't as technically accurate as you had hoped. We recently went through that when when I got into some files um, they were technically a hot mess. So work that I thought that was be do- being done to a certain level, to Redhead's level of excellence, technically the work wasn't being done to our level of excellence. And I had no idea because, again, we don't poke around when we don't need to. And so you do have to do a lot of reassuring to clients. You have HR concerns. You have benefit concerns. You have sometimes legal concerns. So there's really a significant row of dominoes that all have to move when somebody unexpectedly leaves. And then not only that is not only are you doing cleanup on that end, but you're needing to forecast figuring out how you um, how you either replace that person or how maybe you decided that it's an opportunity. Um, well, and that's where you know the part we haven't talked about yet and and I would like to talk about a bit is how it affects you as a person and as a boss and your decisions moving forward because you know, I think we both agree that staff first, clients second is the way to go. Mm-hmm. But as the business owner, you know, you just had to let go of someone that you had trusted and you had chosen. What does that mean? Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the best, I mean, it's, it's a grieving process. So when you're betrayed, whether that happens whether that's a personal betrayal or a professional betrayal, the, the, the stages of grief, I think, are the same. Um, for me, it's, I do inward reflection, you know, it's um, how, how did I not see this coming? Or how did, you know, I hired this person. I loved, you know, <laughs> I embraced this person and wanted them to come into our home. Our businesses are our home. And um, so I really think hard about how, like, what, what was wrong with my decision-making process in, in onboarding this person? That you picked the wrong person? Yeah. Um, or how could I not see it coming? So even if you hire the right person and something changes, whatever that happens in the environment, whatever changes happen in their life or in the culture, why, why did I not see it coming? 
why didn't I see the flag sooner so that whatever damage could have been prevented. And and then I get really angry, frankly, because it's hugely inconvenient. Oh, yeah. And do you ever feel like if, if an employee would come to you and say, I'm no longer happy, I don't feel like it's a good fit anymore, I'm going to be looking. I'm, I'm just letting you know that I'm going to start looking. Like, has that ever happened? I, I guess I've never had somebody come say, I'm no longer happy. I'm going to start looking. But I have had employees who are very transparent about where their goals are. I really want to move to New York. I really want to move to Chicago. Sure. I want to try this skill. And I'll tell you, and this is, yeah, the, sorry, tangent, the anger thing I want to get back to. But if an employee is honest with me about where their goals want to be, I will help them. Mm-hmm. You know, I was young once too, and I had people mentor me and give me good advice. And I, I feel like as an employer, one of my jobs is to mentor and grow people. And if that means mentoring and growing you to the point where you leave, I'd rather you do that walking out the door with a great reference than walking out the door being fired because you were stealing and lying. So yeah. we had a really great example a few years ago uh, – a staff member who we knew she wanted to move. We knew where her career goals were taking her, but we wanted to keep her. And so we had a great conversation. Like, you let me know what you need, how I can help you, keep me as up-to-date as possible, and I'll do everything I can to help you get there. Yeah. And that's um, that's a way better way to do it. Everybody wins, right? That's what we're here for to begin with. You know, we are, especially as creatives, we're here to develop talent as we hire people. We're under no premise that everybody stays forever. Nobody stays forever. We're the only ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, so we're constantly in a state of developing talent to a point where we can either elevate that level of responsibility. Our organizations are fairly flat because we're so small, but um, so there's no ladder to climb. But to elevate the level of responsibility or to grow to the point where you know, they're experimenting with new techniques or trying new things or helping us expand business, or they're ready to go to the next thing. And um, I'd far rather know that that's what's on somebody's mind or in their heart than allow somebody to become miserable. I, I don't know. I guess, I guess I don't know the understand the motivations of why somebody starts to betray if it's because they're a miserable person to begin with and they're fakers or whether it's something that changes that then they just start making bad choices and they get trapped in them. I just don't know. I think there are both. I think some people get trapped in their bad choices and those are the people, you know, to go back in the process when you said you have a, you're at a crossroads, when you find out something's gone wrong, what can you do? Do this or do that. After a bit of investigation, you know if somebody is really a good person who has maybe gotten sidetracked and it's easy to get them back on track. Or if somebody just deep down does not have your best interest at heart and is is selfish and unethical. Mm-hmm. I think once you understand that, you know what you can do with each employee. But, you know, getting back to your conversation about anger, like it makes me really sad and really angry when this stuff happens mm-hmm. because as a creative who mentors other creatives, you know, you have this feeling like I have taught you everything I know. I have let you into my home. I have shown you how to do X, Y, and Z. And this is what I get in return. This is how you treat someone who has given you their knowledge and and a paycheck. It's just really shocking and frustrating. And then there's that hindsight of, well, I, I guess I did remember there was one little red flag in the interview, but I was excited, so I ignored it. So there's a lot of self-reflection and self-learning, I suppose, as well. But ooh, the anger when somebody comes through and treats you poorly. Yeah. And then it's, and then not only does it take time to work through the cleanup, not only does it take time to figure, to identify how you're going to replace that person or adjust 
your structure to accommodate a different type of new person. Those are opportunities. But then you have a whole new onboarding process to begin with. So, but I think at the end of the day, both of us have shared that we try very hard to focus that it's an opportunity. I've said many times before um, in, inside my render walls, but to you as well, like I take off the rearview mirror. I reflect for a minute and then it's just, I got to move forward. I just have to look forward. So I, I try to figure out how it's an opportunity. And I got to tell you that some of my biggest grief, some of the hardest times I've been through on an HR standpoint has gotten me exactly where I am right now. Uh, with the best team I've ever had, with the greatest group of people. So uh, I guess it's that balance thing. <laughs> you know, you have to tip in one way and then might make those adjustments. I think you're right. And it, you get smarter every time. Mm-hmm. And when you make it through a situation like this, you get stronger. The people who stick with you get stronger. I think it, in a lot of ways it makes the team that's existing more cohesive and more of a family. Mm-hmm. When you understand that you've had to weather a storm together. And so there are significant benefits. It forces you to put into practice smarter HR tactics and more clearer rules for engagement and better articulate the ethics and morals of the business for everyone coming in. So people have a much clearer view. Mm -hmm. So there are benefits at the end once you get through that grieving process, I suppose. Yeah. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, my drink is gone. Yeah, my, my drink is gone too. And man, I can have another. Um, it really is a very, very beautiful drink. And uh, if you like a margarita and you want a fresh ingredient version that is a little bit more grown up, that's not a traditional margarita, the Paloma is probably right up your alley. It probably is. And it lends you know some sweetness to this bitter kind of topic. And it's a difficult topic to talk about. It's oftentimes difficult for Karen and I to open up the window into the icky stuff that happens occasionally. But we try very hard to look at the positive side of it, like being able to drink this drink. So that's good. Hey, Karen, where can our listeners talk to us if they've experienced this or have more questions? You know, you can visit our website at thespeakeasypodcast.com or find us on all the social channels at The Easy Underground. But really what Jen and I want you to do is if you're finding something, a topic that's really been meaningful for you, that you are finding value from, we want you to share. Will you just go to our Facebook page and maybe share an episode link um, so that other people in your network can enjoy it as well? We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. There are some days I can't find my phone or I search the whole house for my glasses, which I find on my head. Does that ever happen to you? Oh, it sure does. Staying organized sometimes feels like an unattainable goal. How do you make it work? That's what we're talking about next time. Hopefully we'll figure it out.